And I'm going to ask uh, Tim if he'll come up and read our scripture reading. And so if you want to, you can go ahead and turn there. We're going to be in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. So we're in Luke 8, verses 16 through 21. No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside, desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brother are those who hear the word of God and do it. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this time. God, we thank you uh, for all your many blessings. God, as we um, as we enter this season, um, God, of, of Thanksgiving, um, a time of the year where uh, we are keenly reminded of all the ways in which you have blessed us, God. We, we thank you for... Um, God, all those things that perhaps in a, in a, a previous time, in a previous era, that people who were more connected to the land and, and the way the seasons worked, um, God, those things that they would naturally be thankful to you for. God, we thank you for uh, this time of, uh, of the harvest, the time where um, the efforts uh, that have been put into growing fruit um, uh, are, are coming to fruition, God, um, that your blessing of, of sun and rain and, and the, the natural progression of the seasons, God, of your keeping, um, uh, pestilence and, and, um, bugs and, and stuff that would, would destroy the crop of you keeping those things at bay, God, so that people would be provided for in, in, in the winter months. God, those things are still going on all around us, um, even though we get our food uh, from different places now. And so we thank you for the blessings of the fall, blessings of the harvest, blessings of um, the way that you have designed your world to provide for not only your own people, God, but for all people. God, you, just as your word says, your, your sun shines on the just and the unjust alike. Your rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. God, you provide for your people and provide for the world, even though we uh, don't deserve any of it. So, God, we thank you for those blessings. God, we thank you for the provision of your word. And as we open your word today, we ask that you would use it to conform our hearts to the image of Jesus Christ. Uh, that you would, through the power of the Spirit, um, shine a light on the Word, shine a light on our hearts, our understandings. God, and as we've read about last week and as we continue to read about this week, God, that you would help us to be careful how we hear your Word uh, and that we would respond to it um, uh, rightly. We thank you. We praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Okay, so I was sitting there kind of talking to a couple of people before we got started, and I uh, I keep on wanting, man, there's a, there's a draw, and it's, I don't know if you knew this, there's going to be an election here in a couple of weeks, um, and and there's this political draw, right? Like it, my, my, your, my thoughts keep on being drawn to to just sort of the, the political and cultural issues around us, and so it's hard not to frame things in a mindset of, of conservative and liberal and, 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 and kind of those kind of concepts. And, and so some of that's going to come into this message and, and, uh, and you'll see the places that I'm talking about. And, and, um, I hope I'm not, uh, uh, illegitimately pulling some of those things into the text because I think, um, I think, uh, what we see is that, uh, that Jesus isn't on either of those sides, um, that Jesus is on his own side. And that's part of what we see in this text. Um, so last week we talked about this broad idea of how we receive the word of God, right? Uh, the, the, we talked about the parable of the four soils and how each one of those soils uh, represents, you could say, it could be the parable of the four souls in a way. Uh, each one of them represents a different way that we receive the gospel, right? Receive the word of God. And so there was the impenetrable soil or soul. Um, the, the soul that had, when the word of God came to it, it had no effect on it, right? And the, 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 the devil came and took that away. There was the shallow soul that sprouted up, and then when trial came, it withered away because it had no root. There was the distracted uh, soul, uh, the soul that, that, again, sprouted, grew up, but never produced fruit the way it was intended to because of the weeds that were sown among the plants that strangled out the fruit that was intended to be grown. And then finally there was the fruitful soul, the soul that produced 30, 60, 100 times um, what was sown in the first place. We talked about how that was a parable about how we receive the word, okay? And so uh, we're not done talking about that. Jesus is not done talking about this topic. The continued passage that we're reading here is a continuation of that Jesus, that, that teaching. Jesus still has more things to say about that subject. So he's not changing subjects. He's just elaborating on that same subject. We're still talking about hearing and receiving the word of God. And some of the ways or some of the things that Jesus has to say about that are very similar to the things he, we, we, we read and talked about last week. But there are some additional insights and clarifications as we go through it, okay? So we closed last week on, on that idea of saying this, uh, we are supposed to bear fruit, right? Um, we are supposed to produce spiritual fruit. That's what God has intended for us, right? That's what he's intended for our life. But Jesus adds some insights here. The first thing that we see in these, these sort of, there's, there's sort of three clauses there, verses 16, 17, and 18, and there verses 19, 20, and 21 are, are, are a, a little narrative event of something that happens um, while Jesus is teaching or thereafter Jesus is teaching. So each one of these clauses is kind of another little additional insight that Jesus gives for us. And the first one is this. Your light is not just meant for you. Right? Your light is meant for others, or the light is meant for others. That fruit that we bear is not just for our own good. It is for the good of the world. So verse 16 says, No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who, may, those who enter may see the light. 
So first off, there's this, the, again, in election season, it used to be the case that you would hear this. I remember as a, as a young person, teenager and college age and stuff like that, hearing this question in every debate that ever came around, right? There was always a question at some point about the faith of the candidates, okay? And I feel like you never hear that anymore. I think, it, honestly, it is, it, is a, it is a liability. It is a impediment to both sides now. Okay, um, that making blatant statements about affiliation with a faith tradition or whatever are, are um, people don't want to do that. Um, they don't want to say those things, even if they believe them personally. They don't want the baggage, the cost that comes along with saying them. It's a liability to one side and an impediment to the other. And honestly, I'm not sure which one of those is which. Who's who? Is it, it's a liability for and who it's an impediment for. But, you, but the deal was is that you'd always have a, a question about the faith of the candidates. And, and invariably, one of the two candidates, not always, but usually one of the candidates would be very tight-lipped about their, their faith and beliefs. And they would say something to the effect of, well, my faith is a private matter, okay? Here's the deal. Um, our faith may be a personal matter. The Christian faith may be a personal matter, but it is not a private matter. All right. Christianity is intensely personal and it is in no way private. All right. Um, and that's part of what Jesus is getting at in this passage. Christianity is not a private faith. There's a publicness to our faith that is commanded by Jesus. And so the illustration here, if we think about it, ties us back to that same illustration and makes some of the same points that we saw last week. So what does Jesus, he gives a, a new parable, except there's only two examples here. The first thing he says is, if you were to light a lamp, right, if you were to light a candle, you wouldn't put it under a jar, would you? And the answer is no. And, and, and we know why you wouldn't put it under a jar. Why? Because it would be extinguished by doing that, okay? Every single one of us has done that little at-home science experiment as a kid, right? You take a candle and you put a glass over it, and it burns up all the oxygen under the glass, and the flame is extinguished, right? And so that is analogous to that second soil we read about last week, that shallow soil, a soil that starts out, right, it sprouts, but then it withers, or it ignites, there's a flame there, and yet it is extinguished somehow. Jesus also says, nor would you place that lamp, that candle, or whichever one you want to think of it as, would you place that under a bed? You wouldn't place that light under a bed. Why? Besides the fact that it's a weird fire hazard, right? Um, why would you not put it under bed? Well, you don't put it under the bed because that would hinder the light from accomplishing its goal. The light, the light's effects would be diminished by the bed hiding it, right? Just like those plants are supposed to bear fruit, light bears fruit in a way, right? The, the, the lamp bears the fruit of, of light. And so, so it's, it's almost analogous to that second one. You don't want anything, just like you didn't want weeds hindering the plant. Now you don't want this bed hindering the ability for the light to be shown. So then Jesus says something that we assume probably would be analogous to the next soil, right? The, the seed sown on the good soil that bears fruit. That's what we would expect maybe. And it does, but there's an added insight to it because, because notice, notice the wording there so that those who enter may see the light. That is to say, the light isn't just for you. The light is for everyone who is entering this, this hypothetical house. Or you could say, entering your life, right? Anyone who comes in contact with you should 
receive the benefits of the light that is coming from the gospel that is in you. The fruit you bear, the light you shine, is not just for your use, but for other people's use. It's intended for that, right? So you could you could look at uh, what we talked about last week and say, well, your life is supposed to produce fruit. And you could say, yeah, it does produce fruit, Ash. I am, I am uh, growing in all kinds of ways personally, right? I am, I am more kind and more faithful and more hopeful and more thankful and more holy and more happy and whatever. There's all kinds of spiritual fruit being born in my life. And that's good. It should be bearing that kind of fruit in your life. But the key is, is that Jesus is pointing us to, I think, is that it's not just for your life. Your, the fruit that your life bears is supposed to be for other people as well. Okay. And so, so I, to say it in one way, uh, Jesus doesn't have a capitalist spirituality in a sense. There's not a capitalist spirituality in these things. Jesus doesn't say, cool, you do you, you keep all your things, you take all the, the, the fruit that you produce and the blessings and you hold them to yourself. They don't belong to anybody else. They're yours and you can do with them as you please. That's not the picture. No, the, the intention of that fruit, the intention of that light is to be shared so that those who come in can see by that light as well. All right, so so that's sort of the first thing, is that the light is, is not just for you. It is for others as well. The second insight in that next verse that we see adds to it just a, just a little nuance, and it's, it's that not only is that light not just for you, but it's not meant to be hidden. The light isn't meant to be hidden. The light of God's word, the light of God's revelation, the light of the gospel itself is not meant to be hidden. And so there's any number of factors that we could talk about, reasons that we talked about it a little bit in our small group the other night um, over at the Andersons. Um, any number of factors, reasons why, both reasons in the world and reasons in our own hearts, why we might hide the light of the gospel. That voice that whispers to us and says, hide it. Don't talk about it. Hide the gospel. Allow it to benefit your life. Live in light of the blessings that come from that gospel. But, but don't talk about it to other people. Don't, don't rock the boat or, or stir things up. Just, just let it do good in your life and let everybody else do their own thing. There's a lot of, they're, they're in the psychological world and, and particularly applied to the business world. There are a lot of like psychological phenomenons that, that could explain something like that. Um, there's all these little words, and if, and if you're familiar with any of that kind of corporate America kind of talk and business talk, things like a fear of failure, a fear of success, a fear of being exposed as an imposter, a fear of people-pleasing, right, having to have people like you, right? Those are all things that are talked about in sort of the business world and stuff, but they're also realities in our faith walks, is that, is that we're scared of all those, for all those reasons. We don't want to seem too spiritual, but also we don't want to not be spiritual. We want people to like us, and, but we don't want them to think we're a believer and then see something wrong in our lives and call us out on us and make us feel like we're imposters. And so we just sort of, in so many different ways, we back off. But Jesus is telling us here, he's saying the light isn't meant to be hidden. You can't hide the light. No matter what the fear is, no matter what your reason for it, it's not meant to do that. And when we allow that fear to keep us from shining the light of Christ into the world, shining the light of the gospel into the world, then at best we are being callously indifferent to people and their situation and their sin and their eternity. 
At best, we're being callously indifferent. At worst, we are being hateful to them. At worst, we are saying, your life is insignificant to me, and I don't really care whether you spend eternity separated from God. Now, notice what he says in verse 17. It says, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to life. So here's the interesting thing about this passage. Um, and, and it was, it was, I, I love when, when you look at a passage and then you study it and you realize, oh, cool, I'm on the right page. Cause I read that verse and I went, I don't know how that connects to what Jesus just said. I don't understand the connection between these two verses. And then I opened up the, the, the commentaries that I look at and they were all like, yeah, we're not exactly sure the connection that Jesus is trying to make here. And I was like, okay, good. I'm not an idiot, right? I'm on the same page as these guys. Because here's the deal. That word, that little word for, at the beginning of 17, that connects these two sentences. That means that 17 is being written in light of verse 16. Okay? It is, it is that the little word in Greek, gar, is explanatory introduction. So it's saying, the things I'm about to tell you are a function of what I just told you in verse 16. But how they are a function of 16 is a little more complicated. Okay, so think about it like this. At the very least, we could say that there are two options, and there may be more. But is Jesus saying verse 17 is a function of the beginning of the clause or the end of of the, the second clause? So let me let me just say it for you. Does the sentence read something like this? No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor anything secret that will not be made known and come to light. Or... Is he saying, but he puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing that is hidden will not be made manifest, and there is no secret that will not be known and be brought to light. Okay? Because they're, they're, they're different, right? Uh, what they're pointing at. If it's the first one, then it's probably serving kind of the same function that that phrase, we see that phrase, um, that nothing will be hidden, will be made manifest, and the secrets will come to light. We see versions of that phrase pop up in the other Gospels. In Matthew chapter 10, he says something like that. And the context is being scared of letting your light shine, right? Letting the light of the Gospel shine in your life. So Matthew 10, 26 says this. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not become known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell, right? So the context of that one is this idea of saying uh, Jesus is warning us or calling us to not be afraid because if we hide the light in us, if we hide the gospel, it's good. That's going to be brought to light. If we're thinking, oh, you know what I can do? I can kind of hang back and not suffer the consequences of my faith and yet still reap the benefits of being in Christ. Jesus is basically saying you're going to be exposed at some point for that. Okay. There is going to be a coming to light of your fear. So, so another place in the scripture that we see a story like that, an illustration like that is the story of Esther and Mordecai in the Old Testament, right? So you remember the sort of setup of that sort story. The king has been tricked into giving this edict that will allow basically for the annihilation and the, the looting of the Jewish people on a certain date. And he is unaware, though, that his own queen, Esther, is of the Jewish people. And therefore, his law technically would allow her to be killed. 
uh, and, and stolen from. And so Mordecai comes to Esther and, and asks her to intercede on behalf of the Jewish people before the king. And remember, she, she can't go to him because he hasn't called for her. And, and Mordecai says this to her, do not think to yourself that, the, that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this, right? And so it's the same kind of picture. It's the idea that Esther is saying, man, I got it pretty good without letting everybody know about where I stand with God. And Mordecai is saying, nothing will remain hidden uh, for long. Right, It's going to come out, and you're going to have to deal with the same things that everybody else is. And so that may be the way Jesus is using it. Again, we see it in other Gospels that, that it's sort of a similar way. But it may be the second way also. In fact, I kind of lean towards the second way, although it could be both of them at the same time. In the second one, if it's the second clause, then what he's getting at is the idea that your light, that the light of the Gospel shining out of you into the world is the means by which the Gospel and the truths of God's word will come to other people. Okay? So that is to say, the things that are hidden to those people, the people who are lost and don't know God, those things will be revealed because of the light that you bring to them, right? The light of the gospel. That you are going to be the instrument of their, the truth being revealed to them. Okay? And so in that case, it's more of an exhortation, not a warning, but an exhortation. Again, man, political season, Facebook. The worst, right? So the worst, okay? Every single day, I should just stay off of it. You should just stay off of it, probably. Um, but every single day, man, I get on there, and this, you know, because it happens all the time. You see something, and somebody makes a statement online, particularly ones about the Christian faith, and there is an ounce of truth to it and a pound of blatant error, right? Just wrong, okay? Um and and everything in me goes, gosh, I need to, it's on, right? Okay, and I don't, I don't do it, okay? Um, and the reason is, is this, is because, as I've said many times, uh, I think I don't want to get the Facebook fight. I think it's stupid. Uh, I don't want a Christian virtue signal. I'm in, not interested in grandstanding. Like, I'm, I'm, I don't want to do any of those things. And nine times out of ten, Facebook is the last place that is going to do anybody any good of talking about these things and revealing truth, okay? But there is still that, that, that responsibility that I feel there, right? There's a piece of it that says, man, somebody's got to set this person right because they are misunderstanding this thing so bad, right? And they have been lied to and they are living in darkness because of these things. And there's no way that they can ever see the truth and understand it rightly until somebody tells them that what they believe about Christ or the church or whatever is 99% wrong. That should remind us and, and point us back to the, the, the truths like this. It may be the case is that you have people in your life who are like that, and you are the only light they will ever see, right? You are the only Jesus that they will ever know. The only person who will ever say something to them and say, you know, that's not really who Jesus is. It's not who the church is. It's not what Christ has called Christians to. It's not any of those things. And so the light is supposed to, we're supposed to carry the light with us, expose the lies of the darkness, Show how things truly are. And that truth sets people free. And that's what God wants. And so is verse 17 a warning or a call to action? Uh, maybe both, right? You can take it either way, maybe. Um, again, lots of 
people have different views and, and, and the jury's still out on the exact connection. But I think the case is, is that both of those messages from either side would be true. You can find those things in the Bible in other places. Okay. And so that's the sort of second insight that we see is this idea of saying, man, we cannot hide the gospel. One, it's not meant just for us. And two, it is not meant to be hidden. All right. And then the third one is this, the third insight there in verse 18, he starts off by saying, take care then how you listen or how you hear. Okay. Reminding us, we're still talking about the same thing we've been talking about since the beginning of the parable of the soil. We're still talking about how you receive the word. When you, when you receive it, what do you do with it? The the topic hasn't changed. But then the next phrase, I think, strikes us as odd again. It doesn't sound like something that Jesus would say, just, I don't know, and maybe that's just me. Maybe some people would go, no, it's perfectly in keeping with what Jesus would say. But it just doesn't sound like something Jesus would say. Because Jesus is always pushing against our expectations of him. But look what it says. It says, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. So what's Jesus saying there? When we are faithful in our listening, faithful in our receiving of the word of God, diligent and attentive to know God and to know his truth, and then diligent and faithful to live out that truth in our lives, then what is promised to us is that we will grow. We will grow in greater knowledge, greater understanding, greater wisdom, greater intimacy with God, greater opportunity to serve him and bear fruit in his kingdom. We'll be have all those things. But if we are not careful how we hear, then even the little bit that we have will be taken away from us. Again, maybe, maybe it's just me. Um, maybe that's not the way other people say, yeah, it just sounds like something Jesus would say. But it doesn't sound like something I feel like he would say. But it is something he said. A lot of people, I think, would be offended by that. They would say, that doesn't seem fair, uh, Jesus. You know, if we're talking about these people who have come out to listen to you and, and stuff like that, and, and they're trying to hear the word I, I, in some way, uh, it doesn't seem fair that that you would give one group of people a whole bunch of uh, knowledge and blessing and then completely take it away from other people. But again, Jesus confounds our expectations. Jesus doesn't do what we would think Jesus would do. And so just like I said a minute ago, I don't think Jesus is a spiritual capitalist. Guess what? Jesus isn't a spiritual socialist either. All right. In the spiritual world, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. And that's the way God designed it. In the spiritual world, Jesus is all about equality of opportunity. Okay. Think about the illustration in the parable of the soils. What does the sower do? He scatters it, right? He doesn't go saying he's not a soil inspector. He doesn't go, Ooh, that's not the good soil. I'm not going to put any seed there. Oh, here's some good soil. I'm going to plant these seeds here. That's not what the story says. What happens? The sower goes and scatters the seed broadly wherever. Okay. There is equality of opportunity in the word. There's equality to hear it and receive it and listen to it. Okay. But there is not equality of outcome, right? There is not equality of the amount of light, the amount of gospel, the amount of word, however you want to say it, that we all end up with. The faithful get more. 
And the unfaithful, the frivolous, the fickle, they lose even what they have. And so, see, again, I, it's, it's cool. And again, maybe I'm bringing in sort of worldview and political themes in a way that are foreign to the text. But I, but I love what happens when I read the Bible. Is that it seems like both someone who is in a general conservative kind of worldview and a general liberal kind of worldview, both of them will come to Jesus and go, I don't like some of the things that guy says. I doesn't seem to line up with what I believe. And the answer is, well, of course it doesn't. You're a sinner. Okay. If you lined up with what Jesus believed completely, you wouldn't need saving, right? You would be in right relationship to the father already, but you're not. And none of us are. And so Jesus says stuff in this passage that pushes against both the general conservative and general liberal. And and you say, but we're not talking about socioeconomic stuff. And the answer is we're not right. But I think those worldviews, those general kind of thinking about the way the world works, um, goes beyond just economic and political factors, right? It goes into a spiritual thing. It goes into the way that we think God acts and the universe works. And in this passage, Jesus basically says, you're both wrong. It doesn't work the way that either of you exactly would think it would. So Jesus kind of closes, or Luke kind of closes this entire section, and in particular, this section about um, how we receive the word of God, not with a parable, not with a teaching, but with an incident, that happens in, in Jesus' life that drives home the very truth that we've been talking about. So you see in verse, um, hold up, got my nose backwards. Um, you see there in that last section, right? Uh, man, I've completely lost it now. Give me two seconds. There we go. So, the, the incident is in verses 19, 20, and 21. So it says, Then his mother's and mother and brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Our fruit bearing is at the heart of our fellowship and our intimacy with Jesus. So I want to be in Jesus' family. Do you want to be in Jesus' family? I want to be in Jesus' family, right? That seems like a pretty uh, good thing, pretty important thing. I want to count him not only as my Savior and King, I want to count him as my friend and as my brother. I want to experience that, that fellowship, right? The freedom that comes from knowing him and being connected to him that closely. And so what we see in this little incident is that, and probably something we would have assumed already, kinship with Jesus is not just a function of being naturally descended from, from his family in some way. But kinship with Jesus is defined by hearing the word of God and doing it. Hard stop. All right? You want to be close to Jesus? You want to be his mother and brothers? You want to be part of his family? His family, Jesus says from his own mouth, are those who hear the word of God and do it. Now again, we might say, man, Ash, does that not push against salvation by faith alone? Right? We talk about that a lot, uh, reform kind of tradition. Um, does that not push somehow against that? And the answer is no, it doesn't. They're not contradictory. And we're going to talk about that 
um, next week because next week is actually when we are going to celebrate, commemorate Reformation Day. Next weekend is Reformation Sunday. It kind of falls weird this year because the 31st is on a Saturday and then All Saints is the next day and it's on a Sunday. And so they're right back to back like that. But we're going to celebrate uh, the 503rd anniversary of, of the Protestant Reformation, of Martin Luther nailing the 95 Theses to the, to the church door at the Wittenberg um, Cathedral. And we're going to talk about the concept of sola fide. We're going to talk about faith alone, salvation by faith alone, next week. That's actually going to kind of enter us into, this is our last sermon in Luke for a little while. This is Luke is kind of closing a section here, right? So we're about to enter into kind of our our uh, holiday church calendar area, right? We got Reformation, All Saints, Thanksgiving, Advent, Christmas, New Year's, right? And so that pretty much takes up all the Sundays, with the exception of one or two between now and the New Year. And so we're going to take a little break from Luke, and Luke's kind of closing this thing down with this point. And so what does he say again? The reminder: Take care how you hear. Take care how you receive the word of God. Do not treat God and his word as if proximity to it is that all you need, right? Just kind of being around in the general vicinity of Jesus and his word, that should be enough for me to be connected. No, instead, listen carefully to God's word. Listen well, he says, and then be fruitful in it. Shine the light of Jesus and the gospel. Let those things be the marks of your faithfulness. Let those things be the marks of your intimacy with God. Amen? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, let's ask God to, to bless us as we, as we um, consider these things, as we hear his word, right? As we think about the way that this word um, has, has, has born in our lives, right? As I was sitting there kind of working on the sermon, I thought to myself, if if... If it's true that, that God gives to those who have, who have and takes from those who, that takes what even those they have from those who don't, man, there's a lot of times in my life where I look and I say, God, I have been making a, a mockery of your word, right? I have been treating your word with contempt, either because of my inattention or because of my lack of focus or whatever else. And so I sit there and go, there's, there's a general kind of feeling again that I would reject that. And I'd say, man, it's good. I can just pick up again and I'll be fine and everything will go good and, and whatever. And there's a warning there, right? The warning is that Jesus is saying, uh, be careful how you hear these things because Jesus is not above or beyond taking those things from you. And gosh, man, we see that all the time in people's lives. We see people who drift away from the faith, right? All the time we see people who drift away from the faith. We see some people, but not often, who just make a hard turn, right? But it doesn't happen. Man, I don't see many people. I see the questions coming and the laxity coming and the, and the, the doubt coming in and the compromise coming in. Little by little over long periods of time until then finally there is a straw that breaks the camel's back and they fall away. But, but that's a principle that we're seeing here. That Jesus says, for those who are unfaithful, even what you have will be taken away. Those people don't become lax Christians. They fall away from the faith in gen- completely. Right? I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that person. I want to be somebody who's faithful and is pursuing that. And knowing that Jesus promises to keep on building me up as I go, to keep on pouring into me, to keep on growing me, to keep on giving me those things. That's what I want. Um, and I recognize that I'm just as, in, as much in danger as anybody is um, 
to falling prey to what Jesus is warning us to. So let's go to the Lord in prayer about that. Um, we're, we're coming up on a new year. I think you should start your Bible reading plan tonight. Okay. Um, but, but if you haven't been doing one this year, um, you should start some kind of process, um, some kind of habit, some kind of setup where you can do that in the coming year so that the word of God you are receiving on a regular basis. I know Kyle's small group is already kind of, kind of trying to institute that into the life of their small group, um, as, as a group. And so, um, I encourage you to do that. Uh, and, and, and I think that we will see the fruit of that born in our lives um, if we'll follow God in that way. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. I keep on, I keep on jumping back and adding little things in. But um, let's ask God to work in these ways. Be careful how you hear. Be careful how you hear. We see that mentioned several times in different ways throughout that text, Scott. Be careful how you receive the word of God. Be careful of your attitude towards it. Be careful of, of God, what you do with it or what we do with it when it's given. That's what you keep on saying to us. Father, we are all guilty of, of treating your uh, your word with contempt in some ways, treating your gospel with contempt in some ways. Father, treating us, it as if it is not primary, treating it as if it is our own, um, uh, something to bring blessing into our own lives um, and ignoring the responsibility that we have to take the light of the gospel um, to our neighbors and to the world. Father, using the benefits of, of your grace and mercy and the cross of Christ for our own lives and yet not being willing to share uh, the greatest news that's ever been told, the greatest news that has ever happened, the greatest event um, in the history of the world. In fact, the center of the history of the world, the thing that it was all pointing towards, God, that we are fearful of, of speaking those things into the world. Father, we don't want to be that way. We want to hear the word rightly. We want to receive it rightly, and we want to do something about it. We want to live our lives that bear fruit and bear light. We want to hear the word of God and do it. God, help us to live that. Help us to do that. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand and sing the closing song.
see you guys. It's great to have you here uh, to join worship with you. Um, hope you have a good week. Um, it's fall's here, man. Loving it. It's, it's here. Um, go out, enjoy um, the beauty of God's creation. Um, thank him for, for the things that you see around you each day. Um, just praise him um, as you go. Uh, here's this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Turn his face towards you give you peace. We'll see you next week.